Corinthians 15. You think, hey, you know, for a pastor who's been here for several years, then you'd be kind of hard to go on Resurrection Sunday preaching the same message every year, um, we could sound like. And so sometimes try to be a little bit cute, so to speak, and try to do something unique. But you know what? There really is nothing more unique than the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's really nothing greater than Jesus. However, I am going to actually go with a little bit of different slant today and ask the question more of what if Jesus had not risen? Think about that. What if Jesus did not risen? Okay? God is real that Jesus had not risen. 1 Corinthians 15. And beginning in verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Okay, so here we have there, were, there was a group teaching the people at Corinth that there was no future resurrection, that there was no such thing as a resurrection from the dead. And Paul said, and it brings out that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then that would mean that Christ himself would not have been risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. But a year yet in your sins. Christ be not risen. You're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What if Jesus had not been risen? The Bible says our preaching would be in vain. All the times I lose my voice yelling on Sunday. What a waste! Okay. Our preaching would be in vain. All the prophecies about Jesus would be vain. And there's very specific prophecies that where the Bible talks about how when a certain king would make a decree, then there would be so many years, uh, 483 years, then the Messiah would be cut off. That a very specific prophecy. Even the years 
of when Jesus would be cut off, when he would be dying on the cross. <clears throat> that he would be hung on a tree or on the wood, on a wooden cross. <clears throat> that his birth would be a virgin birth. That would be a miracle. You know, it's going to be saying, that's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. But with God, even the impossible is possible. Amen. You know, Christianity is the only or only religion that really rests upon a miracle being a necessity. You know, and specifically the resurrection of Christ. Without a resurrection of Christ, there is no Christianity. And if we're able to believe in a resurrected Christ, you know, it's no small matter to believe that Jesus would also be born of a virgin. But all of the miracles of Jesus, of him walking on the water, him feeding the multitudes of just a, a boy's um, lunch bag, so to speak, few fish and loaves, and feed about 20,000 people. Oh, it would have been neat to watch then. But if the resurrection did not happen, all that would have been in vain. But it wouldn't have mattered. Need to watch. But if Christ be dead and he was not resurrected, it would all be in vain. All our preaching would be in vain. All the money we've given, you've given to worldwide missionaries would have been in vain. The missionary lives themselves would have been in vain for giving up so much comfort to tell others of a Jesus who didn't really raise again. If Jesus be not risen, as the Bible says, your faith also is in vain. Your faith would be vain. It would be empty. Your beliefs would be meaningless. It would be empty. What you thought about the deity of Christ, what you thought about salvation, what you thought about um, water baptism, whatever you thought about the deity of Christ, anything, it would not matter if Christ was not risen. The mission of the church would have all been in vain. All the time you've spent in church would have been a huge waste of time. Mostly we're just having church be as a social club. All the mission projects being given to would have been a waste. All the building renovations we've done to upkeep the house of God would have done, would have served no noble purpose. All be empty. Just live our days, we die and perish. Bible also says that um, here's the apostles here, we be found false witnesses of God. And remember, God said, Bury not false witness. And so for them to be spreading uh, this thing that Jesus is risen when he had not been risen, they would have been bearing false witness. The apostles hoping Christ would have been useless, their death would have been meaningless. Think about it. Many have died for what they believe to be true in society. You can say this of any religion. Many have died for what they believe to be true. 
fundamentalist Muslims die suicide deaths for what they believe to be true. But you think about the apostles and the others in the first century here that were here around the time of Christ, it would have been insane for them to die for something that they knew was a lie if Christ had not been risen. Take thing about it. You say you and your buddies, you know, you thought you'd do this practical joke. Still the body of Jesus, hide it, and then you go tell people, oh look, he is risen like he said he would be. And man, you pulled a fast one. You trick people, and, and then you were just doing this in church. But then when they dragged you to court, when they took you and said, this is going to mean your life, unless you recant this and say this was fake, are you likely really to be willing to die for something you know that was just a joke? Something that was a prank? Someone would have to really be insane to be willing to die for something they knew was false. Right. Wouldn't make sense at all. Again, many of the Muslims, they die for what they believe to be true. But they really believe what they believe. But here in the first century, these people wouldn't know whether or not Jesus was risen or not. And for them to be spreading a myth, so to speak, that Jesus is risen, if he was not, and then to be willing to die for it, just does not make any sense at all. But that we see they were willing to die for it shows the integrity of their faith and of their eyewitness accounts of the resurrected Christ. But again, if Jesus had not been risen, Jesus would have been a fraud. You know, like Jesus called himself the Messiah. Some will say Jesus never called himself the Messiah. Oh, yes, he did. John 4, verse 25. You know, we see a, a woman, well, she approaches Jesus. She goes, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. You know, you see, Jesus had brought up her sin, saying, you know what, the, 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 he says, you know, go get your husband. And she's like, I have no husband. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And then she ends up saying, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she talks about an ass and, and says, you know, we know that the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ, Messiah. Um, and it's, Messiah is like the Hebrew terminology. Christ is from the Greek terminology. And he says, we know that he is to come, and he is going to tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He couldn't say any clearer than that. Say, you know what, the one that you're speaking to, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. That would have been a fraud if Jesus made that up and did not rise again. It would have been a fraud for calling himself the Son of God and 
You know, Muslims will say this, that Jesus never said he was the Son of God. Or they will say that nowhere in the New Testament did Jesus say, I am the Son of God. It's just that some people, they started to follow him, idolize him, and then started calling him the Son of God. Well, no, you read it in the New Testament, and Jesus called himself the Son of God. You know, John 10, 36, he says, Savior of him whom the Father has sanctified him. So we see Jesus calling the Father, his Father, one, and, um, and sent him to the world. He says, you're saying that I, you're saying thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. So I think, you know, you're accusing me of blasphemy for saying, I am the Son of God. That would have been all a fraud if Jesus was not risen again. You know, in Matthew 27, verse 42, you know, when he was being crucified, and he was mocked, and you know what they said? He saved others! Himself, he cannot say. Ha, ha, ha. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. You know what? Let him come down. You know what? He saved others. Come down from the cross. They smite you on the face. I mean, like, hey, who did that to you? Prophesy, who was it that smoked thee? He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will save him. For he said, I am the Son of God. They recognized very much what Jesus did. But again, that would all be in vain if he, that was the end of it. When he said, it is finished, and then he died, if that was the end, it would all be in vain. And for this, he'd be a fraud for predicting his own death and resurrection. Understand, this wasn't just something Christians started to say and to teach that, you know, some religions, they'll take what, um, some of their sayings and they'll idolize them, they'll make statues of them, bow down to them, give them reverence. They'll often say we're not worshiping, we're giving reverence. But when you're bowing down to a statue, you know what? That's worship. You know, you can call it reverence, you can call it whatever you want. You'll idolize the same, and then they'll scribe and say, this person did all these different kinds of miracles. When history would know none of those things. But that's not really what happened to Jesus, but it would be if his resurrection was in vain. We see Jesus predicted his own death. He predicted his own resurrection. Wouldn't it be hard for any of us to predict our death? Maybe the timing, and was it was suicide, and you know, I guess you could predict the timing in that kind of a case. But predicting that you're going to die someday, that wouldn't be hard to do. I predict every one of you are going to die someday. And what's the rapture happen? And once we're caught up in the air, okay, I can predict I'm going to die. But to predict that I'm going to rise again and to say three days later? So it wasn't just like, hey, yeah, I'm going to rise one day, maybe a thousand years from now, and try and keep a following, a cult following. No, it was very specific. 
Three days later, as Jonah was in the belly of the well, three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. It shall rise again. And if that was, did not happen, our faith would be in vain. Jesus would have been a fraud. But look at he predicted it. Luke 9.22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Very small time window. If it doesn't happen, Christianity dies out. It does happen, it's going to make a difference in the world. Luke 18.31 Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto him, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. So he's saying, you know, in those Old Testament scriptures, when they wrote of me, those specific prophecies, they're going to be accomplished. Understand the Bible was not simply written by one man or even a small group of men put together. It's one book. The Bible is a collection of manuscripts that claims divine origin that God inspired it, but God used different people over a period of around 1,500 years, over 40 different men, on three different continents. Many of the people never knew each other. Some of them did know each other, particularly in the New Testament. Uh, but we would, they, they wouldn't have, it's, 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 it's not just like one book. It's not like the Quran where, you know, it's just one book or the Book of Mormon where Joseph Smith said he saw old plates and they mysteriously disappeared. And we're able to find manuscripts today. They're still finding Greek manuscripts. There's nothing with more manuscripts to its authenticity than the New Testament manuscripts and the Old Testament um, manuscripts. But we see Jesus says the prophets, what they, what they wrote of the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on and they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. What boldness. All that would be in vain if he had not risen again. And tragical is Corinthians says, you would all be yet in your sins. And what God requires just for sin to be dealt with. For sin to be punished. And if Jesus had not truly risen from the dead, we would still be facing the God who, yes, he's a God of love, but if there's no resurrection, all there is is a God of wrath. Now God is both a God of wrath and a God of love. So how can that be? You know, you think any father who would not be wrathful if someone caused intentional harm to their children. But because you love, you're willing to show wrath at the right place. 
we would be yet in our sins. Have a fearful, dreadful day of judgment before God. If Christ be not risen. Galatians 3.21 says, If there had been a law given, which should have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But Scripture have concluded all under sin. You see, the Bible says, you know what? If it were possible, if the law, if the commandments, the Ten Commandments, the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, if one of those could bring righteousness, if one of those could bring eternal life, then it would but we all falling short because as the scripture concluded, all are under sin. None of us have followed the law perfectly. If you could, you wouldn't need a savior. If Christ be not risen and there is no savior, you'd be yet dead in your sins. You know, just recently, Ben Shapiro, who's a um, practicing Jew um, in Judaism. Appreciate the news they put off. You know what? I mean, definitely approach the culture wars that are going on. But he just made a post about um, how um, the law could give life. That you know what? By continuing to obey the laws of God, that you may have life. He misses though that. No, we've all sinned. He sinned. We've all sinned. We cannot meet a perfect God in holiness with our sins. Right. We would be yet in our sins if Christ had not been risen. Hebrews 10, 3 says, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. All the sacrifice they did. Yes, there were times where you know God had to Jewish people to make an atonement. They would make a sacrifice. But as the Bible says, that was a shadow of the things to come. Of the spotless Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who would die and rise again to take away the sins of the whole world. But if that did not happen... Again, our faith would be in vain. But no sacrifice we do. We can sacrifice all the animals we want. You know, why is it, oh, that like Judaism? Why do they not sacrifice animals anymore? Ever, ever since the bell of the temple was torn, no more sacrifices in Israel. I don't know why, from their perspective, I often um, wonder, you know, if that's their belief, why are they not practicing it? We'd be getting our sins. No sacrifice we could do. You know, you could look at different pagan cultures, they would sacrifice their children to appease their gods. They never brought them anything. They still died in their sins. 
Revelation 20:14 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Christ be not risen, every single one of us. We die, we go to hell, and the judgment day, death and hell would be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. We would be yet in our sins. Loved ones who were believers simply perished, went to the lake of fire. There'd be no grand reunion in heaven. Paul writes, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That it would be just a fake hope. A fake crutch. If Christ had not been risen, every single one of us would die in our sins. But thankfully, you know, Paul continues on in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, and so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then come of the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Christ is risen indeed. Many skeptics recognized that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified. That any honest historian or even any honest skeptic cannot deny the credibility that there was a man named Jesus. And that it was reported, Josephus, a Jewish historian in the first century, even writes that there was this man named Jesus called Christ, who it is reported have done many miracles. And that some testify that he's risen from the dead, that his tribe called Christians continue to this day. And so any honest skeptic will recognize that Jesus did die. They may reject that he resurrected, but again, they cannot honestly deny that there were people that claim to be eyewitnesses of Jesus resurrected. Many scholars have said it's likely that there is no death more painful than crucifixion. That's a slow, painful form of death. The Persians, as far as we know, invented it, and then it was adopted by the Romans to punish political adversaries. It involved exposure to public humiliation, a death by suffocation, and dehydration. With Jesus, you see, leading up to it, in particular, being betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas. And the thing that Jesus knew the cross was coming. 
He was the victim of Israel and of the Roman Empire. Jesus was completely innocent, and everyone knew it. And then it was customary in that day that, that um, just like today, the president um, once a year uh, typically will offer pardons to people that maybe they thought was maybe maybe they serve enough time for the crime they committed, or maybe the factors weren't all there and they might be innocent. You know what they asked. Who you want us to release? You want us to release Barabbas, who was a murderer and a thief? Or do you want us to return you to Jesus, whom everyone knew was innocent? And they said, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. They chose the criminal. They had opportunity to pick the Redeemer. These are all in fulfillment of specific prophecies of the Old Testament, written years before Jesus was born in, in, in human flesh. You know, some people go, you know, you can't use the Bible. You know, the question of defending the Bible, Spurge, Charles Spurgeon mentioned, you don't need to defend a lion. You simply let it out of the cage and it will defend itself. And the Word of God doesn't need being defended. You just let it out by proclaiming it. The Bible says faith coming by hearing, by hearing the Word of God. Yeah. That's what's going to convert the soul. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So Word of God that people need, not just what people think. But we may articulate why we believe the Bible is the Word of God. But again, the Word of God itself doesn't need any defense. As Bodhi Bauckham um, eloquently mentioned, he says, We believe the Bible not because I was raised that way. You know what? Anyone could say, hey, I was raised from this religion, and that would cancel everything out. Okay? I was raised this way, you were raised that way. They were raised that way. That does not mean anything. Or to say, hey, I tried it once and it worked for me. You know what? People can claim all kinds of different religions and say it helped bring reformation in their life. And that's what's hard. You know, I say someone gets religious and, and it's a cult, it's something that's not historic biblical Christianity, and they get involved in a religion. And maybe even has some Christianese in it, so to speak. It has some Christian teachings, but it teaches and preaches another Jesus. But it helped bring some changes in their life. And that's when that can become a stronghold and keep them from coming to know the true Jesus, the true Savior. The devil will use religion. The Bible talks about it, um, that Satan was transformed into an angel of light. He initially was an angel, and then being the devil, but he transformed himself as if he is the angel of light, and that it is no great wonder that even his ministers are transformed into the ministers of righteousness. And they look good. They know how to put on the show. They know how to be dynamic. They know how to manipulate the emotions with the music. But yet still empty. An empty faith. And so he says, you know what? Just saying a word for you, that's not good enough. 
So how we know the Bible is the Word of God. And he says, uh, we believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They reported supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claimed that their writings were divine rather than human in origin. And we're not talking about Nostradamus type of prophecies where something is mentioned in some general vague term such as years down the road a city will be destroyed by an earthquake. Okay, we're not talking about those kinds of prophecies. Okay, I can tell you that now. Okay, you know, there's going to be a city someday destroyed by a flood. Okay? Well, not going to be a global flood, but don't be a city destroyed by a flood. What are you going to do? Write that down and go, Jason's a prophet because he made his prediction? That's what it's like with Nostradamus. You know what? Okay, some great tragedy happens, and then the women translate it in a way to try and make it fit that way. They, they did that with 9-11, trying to say, oh, you know what, he prophesied that this was going to happen here. No, all general, all vague, but with Jesus specifically, where he would be born, the time frame of a virgin, that um, he would be a Nazarene, would be a Nazarene, but then that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would then flee into Egypt um, because there would be a king that would slaughter the innocents, the children, that the, the cross, the specific prophecies, that he would be crucified, that he'd be spit upon, that his beard would be plucked out, that um, before that he would be riding on a donkey um, into Jerusalem. All very specific, and that happens to the detail. And these were all from historical documents of eyewitnesses. So that's how we're able to know our faith. It's not just some blind faith, but it's based on reliable eyewitness testimony. The Bible says that not all die. We are born with that sinful nature. But it's just in Christ, we shall be made alive. But you must be in Christ. You must be born again, born of the Spirit, which isn't by any works of righteousness that we do. Bible says even our righteousness there is still few. It's not talking about baptism. When Jesus said he must be born again, he must be born of the Spirit and born of the water. He wasn't talking about water baptism. He's talking about there's a physical birth and there is a spiritual birth. There's no work we can do to earn salvation. It's not the works of any man should boast. The Bible says it's by grace through faith alone. John 8.22 then said of the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, he cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, That ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now before, if the resurrection did not happen, we would be all dying in our sins. But if the resurrection did happen, if we do not put our faith in Christ, then we will die 
in our sins still. He can say it to us, it is as if he had not risen. But you know, Jesus said, the last enemy um, that shall be destroyed is death. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now you know what the law shows and it condemns. It shows that we are sinners. It shows that if we broke at one point, we're guilty of breaking the law, period. Fall short of the glory of God. But, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice we have a time of invitation. You know, if the uh, music is playing in the background, well, we play this music not to try and be manipulative, but to more be a time where you know you can be reflective and think upon the message and to um, think about what's been taught, what's been preached. Bible says in Romans 3, 10, it is written, there is none righteous, none of us are righteous. There was one man that was, and that was Jesus Christ. All of us fall short. But this past week, I sinned. Well, you're a pastor. Yeah, pastors sin. You know, something the Pope's infallible that he does not sin or that his teachings are always available, that's not true. He is in sin. Now, if he doesn't repent of a works based religion, then he faces the lake of fire. The Pope must come to a personal faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Him alone. It's not Jesus plus works. Yes, because I'm saved, I want to do works unto the Lord. But that's the fruit of salvation, not the fruit of salvation. Jesus is the only fruit of salvation. And yes, we ought to bear the fruit. But the Bible says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on Christ, his faith is counted for righteousness. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. It's what we deserve. What is the wage? It's what you earn. You go to work, get your occupation. Your wage is what you earn. It's what you agree to be paid for the job you've done. Now, you may have not agreed to it. But the wage that you deserve is death, is hell, it's the lake of fire. That's what we deserve because of our sin. That's what we've earned. We've all fallen short of the law, and the law shows none of us can make it. We see that report in the scripture, one man thought, I observe all the Ten Commandments. Jesus says one thing, thou lackest, go sell what you have and give to the poor. That there was covetousness in his heart. 
Jesus' point was, you know what? The law is not going to save you. I don't Only Jesus can save you. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? Once that gift is given to, it can't be taken away. It's a gift. And you know what? It's called eternal life. You know what eternal life is? How long it lasts? Eternal. It's not just, hey, you have eternal life for five years and then you lose it. No, once you have eternal life, it's forever. Once you've been born again, you're a child of God. The Bible says in Romans 5 8, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, our theme for a year is about that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Many didn't like that Jesus hung out with the sinners. Not to participate in their sin. He was separate from sinners in that sense. But he spent time with them. And he was condemned for them. And Jesus said, you know, who goes to the physician? Who goes to the doctors? Do the healthy people go? Not typically. No, those that are sick. And you know what? The righteous, those that are self-righteous in their own eyes, they're not the ones coming to Jesus by faith. They think they're earning it. It's the sinners that recognize that they have sinned against a holy, holy, holy God. They're not even going to be able to stop sinning to earn salvation. You know, the Bible says salvation comes by repentance and faith. There's that repentance or recognition that we are a sinner, but no one can repent of their sins to earn salvation. No one's able to say, I've repented of my sins, now I'm saved. But there needs to be a repentance and that you recognize that, yes, woe is unto you. That sin is in your life and that separates you from God. And Jesus will help you to sin less, but we're not going to be sinless until we see Jesus face to face. He's the one that sanctifies us. We're not able to sanctify ourselves. And so don't even put your faith in, hey, if I stop doing this, um, then I'll be saved. If I start going to church more than just on Christmas and Easter, then um, I'll be saved. No, you won't. You can come to this church all day long, all year long, every week, every Sunday, and still open the gates of hell wide Coming to church does not make you a Christian any more than going in your garage makes you a car. But Jesus can make you a Christian. Jesus can save you. It's coming to Him by faith. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was sin, that which was lost. Become God committed His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died we were sinners. He knew we needed a Savior. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, promise. Romans 10, 9. 
It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the gospel message there. Again, it's not our works. So confess with our heart, with our mouth. Believe with our heart that Jesus is risen again. Much of the world knows Jesus died. Much of the world does not believe he rose again. But he did. But it's up to you to place that faith in him or not. While the Spirit of God brings about conviction, the Spirit of God isn't going to force anyone to salvation. It's the choice. Word of God brings conviction. The Word of God brings conviction. We're not going to try to coerce anyone to believe. We want the, the gospel is a message that's given freely to all. It's freely received. It's also freely rejected. You see this on the cross, on the three crosses. Jesus in the middle stood is to redeem. Two thieves, two murderers on the sides of them. One of them said, Lord, please remember me in thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The other continued to mock and rejected him. You have the choice to be a rejecter or to be a receiver. So, wise bell, let's go ahead and stand for a time of invitation. You can come to the altar to pray. If you don't know who Jesus is, your own Savior. What's funny? You would like somebody to show you from the Word of God more clearly, more clearly than we've had in this one hour. Show you how you can have eternal life in Christ. And you don't have that assurance yet. We want to know that heaven would be your home. What does it signify that you want to make that decision by raising your hand? You don't know Jesus is your Savior. No one else looking around is me. Don't see any hands raised. Could be that maybe there's someone that the Spirit is bringing conviction, but you just you don't want to be embarrassed in public. Or maybe you're just unsure. You know, I talk with me after church, call the church, and you know, we can set up an appointment or we can schedule one today. But we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, the Bible does say, Behold, today is the day of salvation. So that's the safest thing you do is make today be the day you trust Christ as your Savior. But that's what we're here as the church. We don't believe our faith is in vain. We believe Jesus indeed is risen. And we be spreading that good news. So we saw that video this morning of people texting everybody, well, he is risen. Oh, when's the last time you sent a text message to say, hey, you know what, hey, you know what, you know Jesus is your Savior. Do you know that Jesus is risen? 
You know, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? You don't know Jesus, your Savior, I encourage you. You know, I've talked with me after church or my wife or someone else in here. And, you know, we'd love to show you from the Word of God how you can have eternal life. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you've shown by many infallible proofs that Jesus indeed was risen. Before the Roman guards tried to prevent a myth from spreading, that Jesus had would rise again by guarding the tomb. But when the rock was miraculously moved, and Jesus rose. Then the Roman guards trying to create a myth. To say that the disciples stole the body. Which if that were to happen, would, would, would have been immediate death for those Roman soldiers. Unless they were given a safety protection order to say, hey, say these things. And we'll let you escape free. And so it's been reported today among some of the Jews that his body was stolen. And that's why the tomb was empty. But no, we didn't see that the tomb was not just empty. Jesus showed himself before people. Showed himself to women first. There were two women or three women that they saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ. And Jesus told them, and the angels told them, go tell the disciples. They came, they saw the resurrected Lord. And we see at one time, the Bible says, about 500 people at once saw the resurrected Christ. His body wasn't hidden, they saw him. That's what we preach today. Thank you, Lord, for dying for our sins and making provision that we may have eternal life. And Lord, may we be a bolder witness. May we share our faith in Christ because you are not in vain risen. You have risen and you have gained victory over death. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, fellowship. Be friendly. We'll have that announcement. That our announcement is called.